Alright, welcome back to episode 5, or I should really say episode 1 of the newly named Play Caller Podcast. It's been a while, been about 10 days, maybe 2 weeks, I've been under the weather, haven't been able to record an episode since the championship weekend in the NFL. So in this episode, I'm going to be giving my late reactions now to the 49ers versus Lions game in the NFC Championship and the Chiefs versus Ravens game in the AFC Championship. Just going to be talking about what I saw, what I can remember seeing at least from 2 weeks ago, and then how I think what I did see could play a factor in this weekend's Super Bowl here in a few days. So let's start out first with the 49ers versus Lions game. The 49ers overcame a 17-point deficit at halftime, and they're now in their second Super Bowl in the last five years. Just an absolute meltdown by the Lions, but you know, I thought initially to start this game, and really the entirety of the first half, they were just moving the ball at will, and I thought that was the biggest thing in this game. The 49ers' defense in the first half looked weak. I mean, it was kind of a similar story against the Packers. They just, this defense has been so hyped up and and held as one of the top defenses in the league now for the last, you know, three or four years, really, maybe even five years since the last Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, this season, I thought there was a couple interesting stats that the announcers pointed out in the first half. This season, they're 25th in third down defense, which, you know, in, in the game of football, I think situational kind of plays and areas in a game really decide the outcome of games a lot. And one of those big situations, really important situations throughout games are third downs on offense and defense. You have to be able to convert and you have to be able to stop the other team on third downs, get your defense off the field, get the ball back, right? So 25th in third down defense this season, obviously not good. And then on top of that, they're middle of the pack as far as rush defense goes, which I thought was interesting. I mean, they have all these big names on the front line, but and it's been heavily covered since this game, the 49ers can't seem to stop the run. And I think a big part of that is the big names on the front line, the Chase Young, you know, Bosa, they sell out on the pass, and I think they rely so heavily on their, their linebackers who are insanely talented, probably the best linebacker core in the league. They rely on them to stop the run rather than the front four or the front three, you know, covering these gaps and stopping the run. Um, and this especially becomes a problem when you're selling out on the pass and you still can't get to the quarterback. And that's kind of what we saw in the first half of this game. Jared Goff had time to throw. And we know how good Jared Goff is when he's comfortable. He's not in this upper tier of quarterbacks in the league necessarily. But when all the conditions are right, when they're in a dome, when the weather's nice, when you know the pass rush isn't getting to him and he has time to throw, he can dot you up. And that's what he did to this 49ers defense. They, they were out of place. Receivers were wide open everywhere. And the Lions were just moving the ball at will. And that kind of begs the question, what happened to this Lions team in the second half especially that allowed the 49ers to come back into this game and eventually win 34-31? I think there's a few different parts to this that played a role. I think one that, again, has been very heavily covered since the ending of this game, and one that's been kind of criticized all season is Dan Campbell and his coaching techniques. And, you know, I don't think Dan Campbell is one of my favorite coaches. I don't think he ever will be. I, I definitely don't think he's in the upper echelon of coaches as far as, you know, McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur, Andy Reid. He's obviously not among the top tier of coaches in the NFL. And it, I think he's more of a player than a coach in a lot of facets of, of the game. He's not a play caller. He's not gifted in schematics. He's not... You know, he's not, he's not the brains behind the operation, so to say. I think the brains behind this Lions organization, really the MVP of this organization, if you're going to say one, is the GM. You know, they don't have a star quarterback. They don't have a star coach. 
they have a lot of talented players everywhere, and I think that's a really good tribute to the GM. But as far as Dan Campbell goes, you know, he makes a lot of these risks. He lives by the sword and dies by the sword um, as far as going forward on fourth down, not kicking field goals. Like I said, in my eyes, he's more of a player almost. He's a really good locker room guy. He sets the culture. And that can't be understated. You know, it's very important, as you saw in this Lions and the success they've had this season, the first NFC Championship game they've made it to in God knows how long. They were dominating the number one seed in route to going to their first Super Bowl. Um, But, you know, past that, he doesn't do anything as far as schematics and things like that, like I touched on. He's more of just the thumbs up, thumbs down guy in, in situations throughout a game. And he had a few of these situations this game. Um, the first was to go up 17 earlier in the third quarter. And I think you have to kick the field goal in that instance. And again, this has been heavily scrutinized since the ending of this game. But I think the two instances that stood out was the play early in the third quarter when you could go up three scores on the 49ers. And I think that really would have deflated their defense. And then at the very end of the game, in the fourth quarter, you're at a point in the game where your team desperately needs momentum on the road. You know, this was towards the end of their collapse. You're down three, you're driving, you could have tied the game here, but instead you decide to go for it, you don't get it, and the 49ers subsequently score a touchdown and the game's over, right? So I think these situations need improvement. I know he takes these risks throughout the season, I'm fine with it throughout the season, but when the game is on the line in a winner-go-home game, in the NFC Championship, in what could have been the game to lead this organization to their first ever Super Bowl you need to play it a little more safe sometimes. So that's one aspect. I think the other aspect of this 49ers comeback is the Lions' defensive interior. I didn't see them stopping the run at all. They didn't stop the run from the running back, and then in the second half, you saw Purdy start escaping, and you saw him start running, and you saw his athleticism. And, you know, kind of funny, like, a lot of the white people are sneaky athletic, quote-unquote. I think Purdy is really sneaky athletic. He's faster than I thought he was throughout the season. And it almost seemed like at times the 49ers told Purdy at halftime to run. A lot of it seemed predetermined almost. It wasn't like he was escaping pressure in any sort of ways. It was that the Lions were playing man and they weren't covering the gaps up front. That allowed McCaffrey to get going. And then it also allowed Purdy to drop back and just kind of take off whenever he wanted. And he was picking up chunks of yardage in the second half. He looked almost Mahomes-esque. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Mahomes, but in terms of his escapability in this game and extending plays... It just started getting ugly really quick once he started to run. And then, you know, the defensive backs on the line started kind of selling out for that run. And as Purdy was extending plays and as the game went on, just people kept getting open. He was picking up chunks, like I just said, in the running game. And it just, it got it got really ugly really quick, like I just said. And sort of playing on that momentum card that I'm talking about right now, I think when the 49ers get inspired and they see this daylight that Dan Campbell gives them, and they face a big deficit, or they face some controversy, I think they're a really scary team when they're inspired. You know, I think of the boombox entrances before games. I think of them losing to the Eagles in last year's NFC Championship game, and this season just beating the brakes off of them. I think when the 49ers have some inspiration behind it, have some motivation, face some adversity, I think they're as scary of a team as there is in the league. And they have the personnel to back this up. They have playmakers all over the field on both sides of the ball. I think when they're playing motivated football, I think they can beat anybody in the league. And we've seen that time and time again from them. 
So just to wrap up this game, you know, I thought the experience of the 49ers really came to play here. Like I said, they played very inspired, very motivated in the second half. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play in the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy has not been great this playoff run. He's had, what, maybe three quarters of really good football. He had the fourth quarter against the Packers, and then the second half in this game he played really well. But outside of that, he's been really struggling. In this game, there was no weather factors like there was um, in the game against Green Bay. He just was missing throws in the first half. And, you know, that can't happen against a team like the Chiefs, who have a much better defense than the 49ers have faced so far this postseason and have a much better quarterback, obviously, in Mahomes on the other side of the ball. You know, the Lions' inexperience in this game really came through. Once it started melting down, once that lead started getting thinner and thinner, it was just kind of a snowball effect, and I think experience plays a big role in that. You obviously have Jared Goff at the helm, who's been to a Super Bowl before in L.A., but outside of him, a lot of youth on this team, a lot of inexperience, even in the coaching front, like I just talked about, and I think that really came to play in this game. And hey, the, the 49ers move on. Now I want to go ahead and jump into the Ravens versus Chiefs game, which I thought was a really a really fascinating game on a lot of fronts. Um, obviously, the Chiefs pull it out 17-10, a very low-scoring game. And they'll be going to their fourth Super Bowl now in the last five years, which is insane to think about. But, you know, I thought this game was really headlined by two things, mostly. It was... Ravens mistakes and I have this written down in my notes from watching just a lot of dumb penalties um you know you saw Zay Flowers what are you doing on the fumble at the goal line and then a couple of late penalties after the play and then the second thing is that game plan from the Ravens that everyone's been talking about I mean that jumped off the screen what are they doing they led the league in so many rushing categories this season rushing attempts rushing yards per game Lamar Jackson Gus Edwards is is a deadly duo coming out of the backfield and you're facing a team that struggled with the run a bit in Kansas City they weren't a top tier rush defense this season and you just saw the Ravens completely abandon this play style which is which is a bizarre thought even when you look at the box score of this game it's jarring Gus Edwards had three carries in the entire game which is ridiculous and then Zay Flowers had two, who's not even a running back. And Lamar Jackson had eight, who's not even a running back, obviously. So your running backs put together, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, had a total of six carries in the entire game. So this was obviously just a weird and, like I said, a bizarre sort of game plan coming from the Ravens on the offensive side of the ball. But I think this is also a testament to the Chiefs. You know, having Mahomes and Andy Reid on the sideline on the other side of the field... When you're staring them down in a game, it really makes you, it, it puts the pressure on you as a team and as an offense. And we saw it, you know, the week prior against the Bills. We saw Josh Allen kind of resort to playing that hero ball that he's been playing in the last X amount of years in his career, where this season he kind of got turned into a game manager up until, up until that game a couple weeks ago. But, you know, when you have Mahomes, who just seems like he's able to pull through in the clutch every single time, and then you have Reed, who, I mean an all-time legendary coach, it puts the pressure on you as an offense to kind of get out of what you're used to and get ahead of this team and, and kind of play some hero ball. We saw it in Lamar Jackson being a little fidgety in the pocket, I thought, in this game. He, he really improved as a passer over the last couple of seasons, especially during the regular season this year. But in this game, he seemed a little fidgety. He seemed like he was wanting to take off more. you know. And then I also think it's a testament to Steve Spagnola in this defense. He was shorthanded without Willie Gay, but 
he had this just masterful game plan to keep Lamar in check by blitzing a lot. Obviously, we saw him bring pressure. And then also just covering all of the gaps on the offensive line, which I thought really was the difference maker in this game. Because not only are you getting pressure to Lamar, but now he can't escape because the interior of that line, all of the gaps are covered. And we saw that. Four sacks on Lamar Jackson, which is hard to do because he, he can escape and he's so quick. So again, I think all of these factors are really just a testament to what the championship DNA of a team like Kansas City can do to its opponents. I mean, like I, like I already touched on, Zay Flowers melts down. Roquan Smith, we saw a lot of, or at least a couple, after the play penalties, melts down. Lamar Jackson seemed fidgety. An end zone pick to kind of seal the game, a bad one, melts down. And then from a coaching standpoint, the game plan. I still just don't know what to say. Just sort of a meltdown on John Harbaugh's part to sign off on that offensive game plan. Makes no sense. But that's what Kansas City does to you. They come into your home building. They get out to a lead. And once that happens, it's it's sort of just panic mode for their opponents. And it's just, you know, four Super Bowls in five years doesn't happen on accident. They have greatness in Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, now Steve Spagnola, a lot of really quick young players on that defense. It's intimidating for a lot of teams, and I think that's what we saw. And then as far as the game plan for the Ravens on the defensive side of the ball facing Mahomes, I think the Ravens thought coming into this game they had the man-to-man matchups in their favor across the board, um, and they wouldn't be wrong in assuming so with this Kansas City receiving core this season. And I think what this game really came down to was Travis Kelsey saying, okay, you think you have the man-to-man advantage, cover me. And they couldn't. 11 receptions, 116 yards, Um, a touchdown, and he only had 11 targets, so 11 for 11 there. I also thought, and this was really shocking to me, um, you know, really quick side note, this whole game was shocking. I had Baltimore winning the Super Bowl. I thought all season this Ravens team just looked so physically dominant on all fronts. I thought kind of 49ers-esque, except with a better quarterback. Um, So yeah, really shocking stuff, but Another aspect of this Kansas City offense that really surprised me is their running game. Isaiah Pacheco, they didn't abandon it, which is, it should be the opposite. I thought the Ravens wouldn't abandon the running game, and if anyone was going to in this game, it might be Kansas City when they fall behind. But Isaiah Pacheco, 24 carries, 68 yards, a touchdown. And I thought even from the first drive, really, this Kansas City offensive line was sort of pushing this Ravens defensive front around. And I thought, okay, this is a problem. So not only were they able to run the ball somewhat effectively, they definitely didn't abandon it, but then in the passing game, you get Kelsey involved and you get Rasheed Rice involved, and then you have Patrick Mahomes leading that. So Kansas City's game plan was really get the ball in the hands of our stars and play physical up front and then blitz Lamar Jackson, which seems like a kind of a duh moment game plan. Like, why wouldn't you do that? But then you look at the other side of the ball, like I just touched on for the last five minutes of this episode, The Ravens did the complete opposite. They took the ball out of the hands of their stars. They seemed to get pushed around a lot of of places, and they just kind of crumbled at home, which is, it's bizarre. Another aspect, and this is sort of the last thing that I'll touch on as far as this game goes, but when you look at Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes on the same field, and I said the same thing about Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Tua in the rounds before, so... This isn't to discredit Lamar Jackson because, as we all know, Patrick Mahomes has sort of just cemented himself in his own tier of quarterbacks in this league. But when you look at Mahomes and Lamar on the same field, 
it really becomes evident that Lamar just doesn't stack up to Mahomes. And Lamar is going to win MVP this season because of, you know, tremendous regular season output. But it's sort of becoming his reputation now. And I, I, I've defended Lamar. I like Lamar as a quarterback. I think he's obviously one of the top quarterbacks in the league. But he sort of has this reputation now of crumbling in the postseason. And that's because teams game plan more specifically. I don't know if it's the pressure that gets to him. But, I mean, you look at him on the field tonight, or sorry, two weeks ago now against Mahomes, and he doesn't look like he belongs on the same field as Mahomes. In many ways, he's kind of the, he's kind of like the opposite of Eli Manning, right? Eli Manning, you look at him in the regular season or his career stats, and you're kind of like, meh, he's a decent quarterback, but then he leads, you know, two of the most famous historic postseason runs of all time knocks off Brady twice in the Super Bowl clutch game winning drives Lamar on the other side is this super dynamic player in the regular season and then once you get to the playoffs he just kind of eh, he just kind of disappears he kind of crumbles and again I don't know what it is but it is shocking and I really thought this year would be different I I hate that I'm kind of bashing on Lamar here because I'm really not trying to and like I said I I defend Lamar Jackson he's a great player but, you know, I thought this year would be different. They had a historic defense um, in many aspects. They had, you know, this offense seemed to be humming. They just absolutely crushed the 49ers a few weeks ago. I thought, I thought this postseason would be different from the team, but especially from Lamar Jackson. And, you know, once again, it just, it wasn't. So, obviously, looking ahead, we have a Chiefs versus 49ers Super Bowl here in a few days. It's currently Wednesday. Um, I am still a little stuffy. I'm sure you might be able to hear it in my voice. It might sound a little nasally, but I'm hoping to record another episode, just probably a brief one here in the next couple of days to give my full Super Bowl predictions. Um, a lot of interesting points here heading into the Super Bowl from Mahomes and Purdy narratives to the betting line, which I think is really odd. The Chiefs are underdogs. Um, but again, I'll touch on that hopefully in, a, in sort of a quicker episode in a few days. And um, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Until next time.